pray for us this morning before we get started. And let's pray for Kristen. Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of Christmas. The gift of your one and only son given for all who might believe that we might have life. Lord, we thank you. Thank you for this wonderful gift. And I pray, Lord, that we would grow in our celebration and amazement and worship of you for who you are, God, and for what you have done for us. May we see that our life is about you and that, Lord, we would not have you in our life if it were not for Jesus and his work on our behalf. So we thank you, God. We thank you for the gift of Jesus this morning. Lord, we pray this morning for Kristen. Lord, we thank you for the gift of her friendship, of her uh, just being a part of this family for what you have done and are doing in her life. God, you are a great God, and I know that is Kristen's testimony, just to proclaim how wonderful you are, God. Lord, we pray for her in this next season of her life. Lord, that you would just continue to fill her daily with your love and with your spirit to the point that she might overflow, that she might ooze out your love, both in how she lives and in what she says to people, Lord, who are desperately needy to hear it. Thank you, God, for how you're going to bring life to the people of Pakistan and the Middle East through the life and willingness of Kristen. And we just pray your blessing. God, strengthen our willingness to do anything and everything we can to support her and to do what we can do to be a part of reaching those who are greatest in need. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow. Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas. It's great to see y'all again this morning. Um, We are in the middle of a series, the, wait, what is it? There it is. Celebrate the wonder of Christmas. (laughs) One more time. Celebrate the wonder of Christmas. Yay. Seriously though, uh, we are giving ourselves in the next uh, few times that we have together this Sunday, next Sunday, and then on Christmas Eve. We'd love to have you on Christmas Eve. You could come at 5.30. But we're giving ourselves to essentially do exactly what the series title says, and that is to celebrate the wonder of Christmas. To take time and just pause to remember what is this all about. I told you last week, I feel like sometimes the familiarity of the narrative, of the story, the busyness of the season, uh, the, the parties and the gift giving and all these other things can sometimes make us numb, distracted to what Christmas is really all about. And that is honestly one of the scariest things that I can think of for you and for me in this holiday season is to really become numb to what this is all about, to just go through all the emotions without really having a real heart, a genuine heart of praise and worship and amazement that Christ came at Christmas. And we need to take time to think about it. Uh, Anybody ever sold a house? Yeah. When you go to sell a house, sometimes uh, you, you... realize that there are things in your house that have been neglected for years that somehow you've just overlooked. You know what I'm talking about? You start looking at things from like a perspective of a buyer and you go, oh my gosh, like 
I can't believe that that cabinet's been like falling off for the last three years and I've had a rubber band around it and just we've made do or like there's that huge crack in the floor and I've just put a carpet over it. You know what I'm saying? There's all these things that sometimes we're so familiar with that we just happen to overlook until we see it. We intentionally try to see it as if somebody's seeing it for the first time and then you go, oh, that's what that really is, right? It's just the tendency of human nature. Same thing happens with Christmas. Sometimes, sometimes, sometimes we get so familiar with the narrative that we just overlook it. But I'm encouraging us, I'm urging us, please see it for the first time. See it with eyes full of just amazement and wonder as if you're walking in for the first time, looking at it and going, I can't believe that this is what it is. This is amazing. This is what Christmas is all about. You got it? So that's what I'm encouraging us to do. I heard a testimony this morning of somebody in our prayer time sharing that um, there was a big atheist movement and they've put up a big billboard in Times Square basically saying, you don't need Christ at Christmas. It's like basically ridiculing it and accusing Christians even of, of the fact that Christians don't even, it's not really about Christ anymore. So why don't we just acknowledge that Christmases really have nothing to do with Christ and just move on with everything else. And to be honest, that if we are not careful, that could become true in our own life. And I just don't want that for us. I don't want that for us as a church. I don't want that for you as an individual. I want you to be centered on Christ this Christmas and to see it from a fresh perspective. Anyway, that's what we're doing. So this morning, last week we talked about hope. This week, we are talking about something else. And I want to just ask you this. I want you to turn to your neighbor and I want to ask you this. What is the best Christmas present you have ever received? All right? Just tell your neighbor. What is it? What's the grip, the best Christmas present that somebody has ever given you? Okay, you got it? What was the best one you ever received? You know, anybody? Puppy. Hey, that's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, there's some fun gifts around Christmas time. I'm in the middle of trying to pick out gifts myself. I, who loves buying gifts? I think it's just a great, great thing, right? It's so fun. Um, some tips for guys, okay, for your women or for the ladies in your life, if that's you. I've learned, okay, don't buy things that are utilitarian, like polish for the silver, not a good idea, okay? Doesn't really flatter the wife, okay? Be careful about buying things that are sized. If you go too small, if you go too small, I haven't been that size in three years, right? If you go too big, really, really, you think that I'm that size, right? So just avoid sizes. Uh, jewelry, be careful about if you... If you buy jewelry that you can afford, it's probably not the jewelry she'll actually wear, right? And if you buy jewelry you can't afford, she'll say, I can't believe you spent that much on this ring, right? 
So be, just be careful about jewelry. Um, <laughs> those are just words from my few years of experience. So if anybody uh, has good ideas, one of the reasons I was asking you about the best gift you've ever received is I was actually needing ideas for Michelle. So she's not here this morning, so we'll just talk afterwards, okay? Just kidding. I know what I'm getting her. Um, seriously, one of the best Christmas, well, one of the best gifts that I have ever received came a few weeks ago, and I won't uh, say the name because I don't want to embarrass anybody, but um, a few weeks ago, we came home, Michelle and I came home from, it was either Saturday or Sunday, I don't remember, and on our doorstep was a little brown paper sack with a note inside, and it had been left by one of the children in our church and their parents. And inside the sack, um, there was a little note, and the note read something like this. Uh, several months ago, uh, we decided to take on a family project and try to grow some cucumbers. And we planted the seed, and we watered the seed, and we tended to the plant. And months went by, the plant grew, but it never bore cucumbers. And we were really disappointed. We had grown kind of tired of watching for it, waiting for it, and just kind of almost dismissed the idea that the cucumbers would ever come. And then, lo and behold, just two days ago, we looked back at the plant, and back behind the leaves, hidden from our sight, were these big, beautiful, two, it had yielded two cucumbers. And we picked them. And I asked, the parent was saying, I asked my child, we were just so excited, and I asked what they wanted to do with the cucumbers. And they said, I want to give them to Pastor Barrett and Michelle. And so in the sack, I'm getting teary thinking about it, <laughs> in the sack were two plain but amazingly beautiful and precious cucumbers that had been grown over a long period of time, had been waited for, expected, tended to, loved. And at the point at which you think, oh, finally cucumbers for me, there was a choice to give them away. And the little note said, I hope you know how incredibly much you two are loved. And I thought, gosh, <laughs> That might be one of the best gifts I have ever received. And it had nothing to do with how much it cost. It had nothing to do with necessarily the value of the gift itself. If I went and sold those cucumbers, I probably wouldn't make a whole lot of money, especially at Kroger. It, it had to do with the fact that it came from the heart had to do with the fact that here this thing is that had been so valued to him, to them, was now being given away, was being sacrificed. It had to do with the fact that this is a really cherished, treasured gift that is now being, with all heart, given away for my enjoyment. And I felt the least deserving. I mean, to be honest, I thought, why would he think of me? There are so many other people that I could think of that 
deserve to feel this way, and I don't, I just don't get it. It was such a gift of love. And it made me think, I honestly think that the best gifts, I don't know what you said your best gift was, but I honestly think that the best gifts, tell me if I'm true or not, best gifts, when you think about best gifts you've ever received, they usually have something to do with sacrifice. They usually have something to do with being from the heart. They usually have something to do with something so valuable and cherished being given. They usually have something to do with selflessness and great thoughtfulness to pick something out just for you. You track, you agree? Okay, if you don't, guys, if you don't know that this is how you should give gifts, time to give the program, right? <laughs> this is this is the real, I think this is why we love buying and giving gifts so much. You agree? Think about why we get so crazy about it. We get so crazy about it because it gives us a chance to love people well. It gives us a chance to show people how much we care about them in really personal ways. I think that's the fun of gift giving. That's the fun of Christmas. And to be honest, I think if you start tracing it back, you go, why do we even give gifts like this in the first place around Christmas? Well, to be honest, the reason is that one of the key hallmarks of this Christmas deal, this holiday that we celebrate, one of the key things that we celebrate is the fact that God has given the greatest of gifts to us. All of our gift buying and gift giving and all that it represents and the heart that goes into it and the money that goes into it, the time that goes into it, the special moments that are remembered forever, all of this is just a small reflection. It's just a little taste of the amazing, the amazing gift that God chose to give us at Christmas. When you look at the child in the manger, you should see the greatest gift that has ever been given. And when you realize that that gift is there for you to receive, that will cause you to celebrate the wonder of Christmas. You tracking with me? So this morning, I just want to focus our attention on one single verse in the Bible. You're going to be so happy. The problem is we're going to spend a while on this verse, right? One single verse in the Bible, and it's one of the most familiar verses in all of Scripture. It's from the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verse 16. All right? So if you've got your Bibles, I want you to turn there. John, chapter 3, verse 16. And I want to unpack for us this morning, what is the real wonder of Christmas, And the answer is that God gave us the greatest gift when he gave us his son. And only you know this morning, if you're in a place that you feel just amazed that God gave this gift, or if you just feel apathetic or calloused. But I am praying today that you right now would say, God, please awake my heart. God, please awake my heart my senses. God, please make me celebrate 
in a real way this gift that you've chosen to give. Let's, uh, let's read together John chapter 3, verse 16. And uh, we're going to walk through it piece by piece. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Will you say that with me? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. If you've got something to write with this morning, I want you to write down a few characteristics of the greatest gift that has ever been given. The greatest gift that you will ever have the opportunity to receive, to cherish, to enjoy. And that is the gift of God's son, Jesus. The first characteristic that I want you to write down this morning of this amazing gift is shocking. Shocking. I remember as a little boy, my uh, parents used to create scavenger hunts for us to get the really big gift at Christmas. Does anybody ever any, else have parents that were weird enough to do that? <laughs> it was like cruel, you know, but it, like really exciting all at the same time. You know, like where you open one gift and it's got a clue inside. And that clue leads to another clue. And that clue leads to another clue. And before you know it, you've done 10 laps around the house, which they're happy about because you're going to pass out at 2 o'clock. And like finally you get to where they want you to go and a trampoline, you know, and ah, it's just like shocking. You know, that moment where it's like, y'all seen the Lexus commercials, right? Where they like walk outside and there's the Lexus with the big bow on it. Ah, you know, that shocking moment. Or maybe you've seen the little kids whose parents are away in Afghanistan serving in the military and they come back at a time where they don't expect and it's just like, you know, everybody has experienced, I think, I hope, that kind of shocking moment of just a gift that you can't believe. Here in John 3.16, I want to show you two parts that make the gift of Christmas show so shocking. You can go to the next slide. Two parts that I don't want you to ignore are this. In the verse, it says, For God so loved the world. For God so loved the world. I don't know of a more shocking statement that epitomizes the amazing wonder of the gift of God at Christmas than the contrast of the words God and the words the world. We're talking about God. God. The only God. There's not two gods. There's not three gods. There's not a hundred gods. And you're not God. There is only one God. And he rules over all. And he is perfect in all of his being. He created everything that is today. With a word of his mouth, he spoke and it came into being. And he created you. And God is perfect in all of his ways. The Bible says that he is holy, which means he is set apart. There is none like him. And he gives life. He is good. He is gracious. He has never done wrong. He has never told a lie. 
He is just in everything that he does. He is full of mercy and compassion and love. His mercy never comes to an end, the Bible says. He is beautiful. He is wonderful. He is the one who we were made for. God. But the shocking thing is that God here is the giver of the gift, but who is the recipient of the gift? The shocking thing is that the recipient is the world. Now you think, well, of course God loves the world. What's so shocking about that? You know, the world is a beautiful place. He's got the whole world in his hands, right? The world's a cute little thing. The world is a great little place. It's full of great little people like me. Of course God loves me. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. They are. What's so shocking about this is that in John's gospel, when he talks about the world, it's not a positive connotation. John chapter 7, the world hates Jesus. John chapter 14, the world hates the Spirit of God. John chapter 16, the world rejoices when the people of God are weeping. John chapter 17, the world has rejected God completely. John chapter 19, the world has loved darkness and preferred it over God's light. In 1 John, which John also carries over this concept of the world, he basically comes to the conclusion that the world is the source of all of the sinful cravings of men. That the world is under the control of the enemy. So what you have here, I want you to feel the tension The truth of John 3.16 is a shocking truth about a shocking gift that God, the perfect, infinite, holy, creating only God, could choose to give a gift, the most precious gift to the world, the most sinful, the most rebellious, the most disgusting, the most just naturally separated group of people, including you and me? You think about our life. Our life does not have a, uh, we don't have a story of, you know, I've just always, I've always done everything that God wants me to do. I've always loved him with all of my heart. I've always obeyed every command that he's had. Everything that he's desired me to do, I have just perfectly followed. No one has a story like that. The Bible says that no one is righteous. No, not even one. We have hated God. We have turned against him. We have known what we should do, and yet we have not done it. We have taken gifts from his hand without even saying thank you, and then used those gifts against him to assert our own authority, our own self-worth, our own identity. We are rebels. The world is not one who loves God. It's enemies for God. Enemies. This is a shocking gift that God 
would love the world. The Bible says that for a good person, one would scarcely die. Even for a good person, for my wife, it would take courage for me to lay down my life for her, though she loves me. But for an enemy, to give everything for one who is a rebel, who hates you, that, my friends, is a different kind of love. That is a shocking gift. Are you feeling it? Number two, second characteristic, undeserved. The gift of Christmas is so amazing. The fact that Jesus is lying in a manger for you and for me. The reason that he came is so amazing is because it's completely undeserved. It's completely undeserved. If you look back at John 3.16, which we know so well, I want you to focus on this phrase, for God so loved the world. For God so loved the world. What motivated God to give his son, his son at Christmas for you? Was it that you were a good person? Was it that one day you'd grow up to be somebody that was great? Was it that you had so much to offer God that he just couldn't make it without you? Was it that he knew because of your good looks or your great charming personality that you'd be a real dynamo in the kingdom? What motivated God to give his son for you? really nothing that we can point to in you. The Bible says no matter what you do, you'll never be good enough. The Bible says that by working hard, by trying to follow him, you won't attain to his righteousness. The Bible says that God is not served by human hands as though he needed anything. He is triune. He has perfect community within himself He has perfect love. He has perfect enjoyment. He doesn't need creation to fill anything lacking in him. He doesn't need you to serve him, to accomplish the things that he wants to do. He doesn't need you to love him, to be complete. He himself is complete in and of himself. So what is it that would motivate him to come toward you? My friends, it's nothing in you. It's in his heart. The motivation is the fact that he loves you. He loves you. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5 verse 8 that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And it's preceded by this statement that God has shown his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Think about yourself on the most unlovely day in the most disgusting sin in that moment of your life when you felt farthest from God. 
the most unlovely, the most unlovable, the least to offer him on that day, in that moment, Christ is dying for you. And it's not because of anything that you offer to him. It's because he's chosen in his heart from all eternity to see you, to know you. And even in your sinful, rebellious self, he loves you. That's amazing, is it not? That God has chosen to love me. This past Wednesday night, um, we went to International Baptist to serve the homeless. And some of you guys were with us. A lot of you guys were with us. And it was awesome. We go there, and this past Wednesday, we um, served a wonderful meal gave out Christmas gifts. We had on Christmas hats and we smiled and we had fun and we gave and gave and gave. And the people were so full on Wednesday that literally said, well, you've got to stop feeding us, right? I mean, it's just like, oh, it was awesome. What a wonderful way to love these who have nothing to give in return. We went to leave that night and uh, we got out to the parking lot and the guy I'd left with I see him get into his car and suddenly he freezes. And I'm like, oh no, what's going on? And he starts looking around his car. And what I realized at that moment was something was going on. And I rolled down my window and said, hey, what's, are you okay? He said, someone's taken everything that I have. He had packed up to go home for the holidays, had stopped to serve on his way out of town. And literally everything valuable that he owned was in his car and it was all gone. I stood there comforting him and trying to help him in that moment, figuring out what to do. And suddenly I thought, this might be happening other places. And sure enough, a total of five cars in the parking lot that night had all been raided, busted in, stuff taken, valuables gone. And you got to think. I mean, it just makes you kind of angry. It makes you go, here I am trying to serve, trying to give, trying to help. And the people who were there to serve, maybe it wasn't those people. I'd like to think that it probably wasn't. But somehow, though, we're there and people know that we're there for that purpose. There's nothing really goes on there other than that. You get raided. Seriously? Ah! Right? It just makes you never want to go back. It doesn't really. But I'm saying that's kind of that fleshly feeling. The love of God... The love of God is like this. He shows up to serve knowing that everything will be taken, that there's nothing to be given in return. This is the love of God, to show up and serve the least deserving. And the least deserving is you and me. Number three, I want you to write it down. The third aspect to this gift is that it is initiated by God. Initiated by God. If you go back to the scripture, it says, For God so loved the world. For God so loved out of his own heart, not because you deserved it, but because he's chosen to love you. God has so chosen to love the unlovable because of his choice that he, that he 
gave, that he gave, that he gave. The point here is this, that before we were even moving toward God, before you and I are even at a place where we're ready for him again, that we want him again, if you think about your own story, before you had even made a decision to turn back to God in your life and to have a relationship with him again, before anything done on your part, God had already done everything necessary to forgive, to heal, to redeem, to restore, to reconcile. God had done it already. Before you made the first move, he already made the first move toward you and that he gave. Love always moves and responds. It is an action. And God is the one who gave. This should amaze you about Jesus Christ at Christmas. If you think about it, if you just would let yourself take time to think about it, this should amaze you that before you were ever born, unless any of you are 2,000 years old, which I don't think that you are, and if you are, that's super awesome. But before you were ever born, before you ever sinned, before you ever went apart from God, before you ever desired to come back to him, before you ever had a longing to be with him forever or to be in heaven, before any of that, Christ was laying down his life for you. He already knew you. And I don't know if you can wrap your mind around it, but he already knew you. He already knew the sins in your life. He already knew the struggles that you would have. He already knew the rebelliousness of your nature. He already knew that night, that day, that relationship. He already knew all of that. And yet, he still chose to love you. He still chose to give himself for you. Revelation says that Christ is the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Even before Adam and Eve sinned, God was giving what was necessary for them to be forgiven and to be saved. It's the picture of when I was in seminary, I had no money, no money. And I'll never forget time and time again seeing God provide. I'll especially never forget the week that I got the bill for the next seminary payment and I saw the due date there and I looked at my bank account and looked at Michelle's bank account and we said, we don't know how we're going to pay it. We just don't, we don't have it. And that feeling of I am broken and I don't have what is needed and I need this but I don't have it, that feeling of helplessness. And that afternoon, I kid you not, that afternoon, 
open up the mailbox, and in the mailbox is a check for hundreds of dollars written by an individual that honestly I had never talked to about the fact that I was in this place and having this need, and that afternoon, see, before I had even realized that I had the need, the need had been met, the check had been written, and it was on its way for me to open it and receive it. Thank you, God, right? That is the picture of our salvation. That before we even wanted to come back to him, that he was already giving his life for us. Are you feeling the wonder of it? The shocking wonder of it? The undeserved nature of it? The fact that it was initiated by him? Fourth, sacrificial. The gift is sacrificial. Who likes movies? Okay, everybody, that's great. Some of the best movies, right? The most heroic characters in all stories and movies, they're people who do what? They give their life so that others can live. If you think about some of the greatest stories that you know, they're almost pictures of the gospel in that the most heroic thing that a person can do is to give his own life. To give his own life for the sake of another. Why do you think this is in so many of the narratives that are woven into our culture and into our heart that inspire us and make us tear up at the end of movies and stories? The reason is, is because it's a reflection of the deepest love possible. And that love is God himself giving himself for us. The Bible says that for God so loved the world that he gave, and what did he give? His only son. His only begotten son. Genesis chapter 22, we read a story about Abraham being called up to the mountain with his son Isaac. His only son, the narrative repeats again and again, he took his son, his only son, he took his son, his only son. This son, the child of promise, the one who had been given for the continuation of his family, who had been promised that salvation would come through one day, This son, his only son, God was asking him to take his only son up to the top of the mountain to strap on him wood to prepare a sacrifice. They get to the top of the mountain and the Lord instructs Abraham to lay his son, his only son onto the wood to sacrifice his son. I don't know of a greater love, a greater gift, a greater sacrifice than for a parent to lay down their only child. Abraham goes to raise up his knife in order to obey the Lord and God stops him and says, take your son off the altar for I will provide the sacrifice. And he looks over and he sees the ram caught in the thicket. 
take your son off, your most precious gift off of the altar, for I will provide the sacrifice. And then in John 3, 16, we see, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. It is our life that should be on the altar. We are the ones who deserve the punishment for sin. We should be judged. We should be executed. We should live in hell forever apart from God is what scripture teaches. It should be us giving everything. But God so loves the world that he gives his only son, the most precious person in the world to God. He sins for us. When you look at that baby in the manger, you should see that God has given up everything. Let me tell you, it's a cute little baby in the manger when we set out the nativities and he is a wonderful person who would live perfectly, who would obey God in everything, who would love him with all of his heart, soul, mind, and strength. But let me tell you that that son, that little baby came for one purpose, to be a lamb that was led to the slaughter. That little baby would grow up and be massacred by God's enemies. And from the cross, would say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That child came with a singular, solitary purpose, and that purpose was to provide your salvation and mine through laying down his life, through giving up everything. Have you ever seen an innocent person die? You've never seen one like this. God, perfect, not deserving of death, choosing to lay down his life for those who he loves. This is a sacrificial gift. It's the ultimate sacrificial gift that God would give himself for us. Finally, I want to point your attention to this, that this gift is necessary for our salvation. This gift is necessary for our salvation. The scripture says, for God so loved the world that he gave, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Do you want to know why Jesus came at Christmas? It wasn't to be a good example for us. It wasn't just to be like, oh, we can know God's love because look at the cute baby. It wasn't just to be a kind act of God. Jesus came at Christmas because there was no other way for you and I to come back into relationship with him. The reason that Jesus came is because if you and I were to be saved, which God didn't have to save us, but if we were to be saved, Christ had to come. Perfection is needed for you and me, and you and I are not perfect. Sins that we have committed must be paid. There must be judgment on sin. And if you and I are going to be forgiven and set free, that judgment has to fall 
on someone. And that's why Christ gave himself as a substitute to take the wrath of God for us. Sin has to be put away. New life has to be given, which is why he died and why he rose again. And let me tell you, if he had not lived perfectly, if he had not gone to the cross to bear the wrath of God for your sin, if he had not been buried to put away that sin, and if he had not risen from the dead, you would not be saved. But praise God, he came. Amen? Folks, I'm talking to you. Praise God, he came. Amen? Because he came, you can be saved. Because Jesus came at Christmas, you can call out to God and be forgiven, to be healed, to be reconciled, to be redeemed. This was necessary so that you would not perish. And that is the direction of your life apart from Christ. You will die. And the worst part about death for those who are apart from Christ is not the physical death. It's the eternal death. You have a beginning, but you have no end and you will live one of two places, either with God or forever apart from God, either having your sins paid for or forever paying your sins in hell. You will live forever. And if you do not want to perish apart from God, if you want life, then you have to see your life wrapped up in the fact that Christ came at Christmas. Amen? Oh, this is an amazing gift. And the wonderful thing is that it is free for you to receive. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever, 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 there is an open invitation, whoever includes you, it includes your neighbor, it includes people that we've never met in every corner of the world, that whoever might put their faith in him would be able to receive this gift. This is why Ephesians 2 says, it is by grace that you have been saved, not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. If I had a million dollars today and it was the million dollars that you needed and I stood here and I said, come, this is for you. Anybody that needs it can come and take it. I've got a million for you. What is required is that you actually have to come and take it from my hands. A gift is not enjoyed until it is received. And the Bible says that this gift of Jesus is given to whoever might take it but you have to put all of your faith, all of your trust, all of your hope in him. And the Bible says that whoever calls on his name and receives this gift will be saved. This is the gift of Christmas. The greatest gift that you're gonna receive this year, friends, is not that crap under your Christmas tree. I love gifts and I am gonna enjoy giving gifts to my wife and my friends and my family this year, but those things will perish. Those things will rust, those things will decay. Those things in the end will be destroyed. But what does not perish is your heart, your spirit. The greatest gift of Christmas 
It's the gift of Jesus. And the question I have for you today is have you ever received it? It's for you. If you have received it, are you presently enjoying it? Is it the best in your life today? And third, are you living in a way that demonstrates this gift to a world that is desperate to know it, to see it lived out, to hear it, to believe it? We now get to embody the love of God for us and the gift of God for us by taking his gift into a world of need. Rather than hoarding, we become givers. Rather than being selfish, we become selfless. Rather than looking to what others can do for us at Christmas, we seek to live for others at Christmas because this is how God has chosen to give himself to us. Have you received it? Are you enjoying it? And are you living out as a practical demonstration the gift of God in Jesus? Let me pray for you. I'll be here as we sing for anyone who wants to respond. Lord, we thank you this morning for the opportunity that we have to celebrate the gift that you have given to us at Christmas. I just want to ask you this morning for every person sitting in this room. Have you received the gift of God and his son, Jesus Christ? The gift of salvation available to whoever believes in him. It is your greatest need. God created you for himself. You have sinned. You need forgiveness. You need grace. And God has chosen to give it in his son, Jesus. If you would put your faith in him today, just surrender your everything to him. The Bible says that you will be saved. This is what he came to do. This is why he laid in that manger, why he lived why he died and why he rose again. It's available to you. Secondly, for those who have been saved and received his gift, I want you to answer honestly. Is your heart in a place of amazement of what God has given in his son, Jesus? If not, would you this morning just cry out, oh God, would you please recaptivate my heart with the wonder of your love? Would you make me feel, God, to my core the amazing gift of Christmas that is your son, Jesus? And would you be willing to pray today, God, would you make me like you are? Selfless, sacrificial, sharing, giving, moving to the least deserving. Would you give me the ability, the willingness, the heart, 
to give myself and my resources this Christmas. Spend time with God as we stand and sing. I'm here if you want to talk, if you want to join this church. But let God minister to you in this time.